This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire Studios just dropped their first original podcast, Golden Goal. The show gives you 10-minute episodes all about soccer legends and the moments that made them. Whether you're just learning about soccer for the first time or a diehard fan, this podcast is a great listen for everyone. The final two episodes are live right now or binge the entire season to learn about your favorite soccer stars. Check out Blue Wire's Golden Goal, available anywhere you listen to podcasts. What's up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on this episode is, of course, as always, my colleague Dave Shane. But we have a very special guest today that I'm extremely excited about. Uh, Knights defenseman John Merrill is with us. John, thank you so much for taking some time to talk today. It's my pleasure, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, awesome. We're so excited to talk to you about what you've been up to, uh, what the team has been up to. Uh, but first, I feel like I need to ask you the question that's on every hockey fan's mind right now. Uh, the Seattle Kraken, are you a fan or not a fan of uh, the newest addition to the NHL? I, I love the uh, the F logo there. And uh, somebody was kind of giving me a rundown that it's very similar to the original um logo they had when they were in the WHA um so I appreciate the the way the jersey looks and, and that s on the jersey but to be honest I've never heard of a Kraken before yesterday so I think that'll kind of take some time to grow into but uh it's exciting to have hockey in the northwest I know there's tons of hockey fans up there and it's a beautiful part of the country that I'm looking forward to uh, spending some time in okay so as a fellow music fan my suggestion was Seattle grunge what, did you have a favorite? Like, was there one that you were kind of hoping for? To be honest, I, I wasn't following too closely with what even the finalists were, but grunge is, is pretty sweet. I mean, something with music would have definitely made a lot of sense for sure. No, awesome. Well, uh, John, we want to get into, like I said, what kind of life has been like for you and the rest of the team for the last little bit here. So uh, just first of all, how's training camp been treating you guys? You've only got a couple days now until... You leave for Edmonton. We're recording this on Friday, uh, July 24th, and you guys, I think, are jetting up there in just about two days. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, the Knights as an organization have done a great job through every phase of the NHL's uh, return to play protocol. I mean, um, we've been in tune with them and on the same page since day one, and and they've been constantly communicating with us about what the next steps were going to be. So for us as a team, we've been here skating for five six weeks prior to even the training camp uh, these last two weeks so we, we feel like we've definitely put in the work and the time at the rink to get ourselves 
feeling as close as possible to game shape. I've, obviously, you can't simulate that game scenario in practice exactly. But um, like I said, they've done such a great job of providing us with the facilities and the equipment um, and everything like that, that we feel like we're ready to go. Just in general, what's it been like getting back to work, getting back on the ice? I know, you know, when, when everything paused, there was some thought it wasn't going to take a while. Then, at least for me personally, I know I had some some skepticism whether it was going to come back at all this year. Just just to actually be back, is how, how nice is it, I guess you could say? Yeah, it, it's so nice. I mean, we're hockey players and we have that competitive nature about us. And just to feel almost like a sense of purpose, like you're doing something, right? Like you said, like get back to work because this is our job. I mean, sometimes it, it doesn't feel like a job because it's uh, obviously we're doing what we love, but um, to be able to get back out there and compete and be around your teammates and, and to feel, like I said, get that purpose back where hockey players feel like we're actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, John, I'm curious what that day was actually like. And this is now so long ago, back in March, where you did find out everything was was going to be paused. I believe you guys had flown into uh, Minnesota the night before. You were going to play the Wild that night. And just what was, I guess, that morning like? And what was kind of going through all of your heads as you were kind of waiting to see whether you would be still playing or not? Yeah, it was definitely, I think for me... I heard about uh, COVID-19 coronavirus uh, coming out of China. I think we all did in January, February timeframe, but it just seemed like that was, there was no way that it would ever lead to anything like this. And then I think it was maybe a Wednesday when we flew out there and after practice, I think they were starting to report that maybe the San Jose Sharks and Carolina Hurricanes were going to plan on playing their games without fans. And I just thought this makes no sense. And so then I started to kind of dive into it a bit more. Once we got into Minnesota, we had a little bit of a team dinner where we talked a little bit about it and what's going to happen. And then I remember going back to the hotel room and then I get an alert on my phone that Tom Cruise and his wife get it. And then all of a sudden it's like Rudy Gobert test positive. They shut down the NBA game. I'm watching that live on TV. And it just was like, wow, I, I didn't know what to expect. I knew that all of the professional sports leagues would probably follow suit. So I assumed that when the NBA planned to stop that the NHL would, would do the same the next day, but there was a lot of unknown. And I think for everyone across the world, it's, it's kind of been that unknown limbo sort of feeling since then. So once you got back, what was it like for you? What did you end up kind of doing over the last, you know, handful of months? And, and we've heard, you know, we've heard from different people, within sports and without, you know, silver linings, whether it's, you know, spending more time with family or, or, or things like that. What, what sort of things were you able to, I guess, make a positive out of, out of the situation? Yeah, that's exactly what, what we try to do. I, I have three young daughters and uh, my fiance. And obviously the first couple of days we were just kind of swarmed, you know, we're so not used to being home constantly. Usually we got a swim class we're running to or a soccer practice or a, you know, it's to school or to whatever it is. So we were kind of just scrambling for the first few days. And then we took a step back and thought to ourselves, what an opportunity we have to spend so much quality time together. We may never be all five of us together like this ever again for this amount of time. So we really tried to just take advantage of it and, and live in the moment every single day and just truly enjoy um, the special time that we got together. 
Did you pick up any, you know, quarantine hobbies or tackle any big quarantine projects? I mean, I know I repainted my living room, which was a a big task for me to take on, as I soon learned. But did you have anything like that? You know what? N- nothing, uh, nothing too big. But um, my fiance was finishing up her master's program um, in the late spring there, so pretty much all of the parenting responsibilities fell solely on me. So for a while there during finals time for her, it was dad, daddy daycare around here. Um, so that would probably be my greatest accomplishment of the quarantine is just, um, surviving it and everyone's in one piece and got three meals in them every day. And so that was, uh, definitely my biggest accomplishment. Okay. So if, if there was daddy daycare, is that where the adult coloring book kind of came in or, or something you've always kind of done previously? You know what? I've always wanted to kind of get into it. And um, we obviously do tons of coloring and try to do arts and crafts with the girls and things like that. But going into the the into the bubble here in Edmonton, just trying to find things to keep my mind going and something to do in my room. And my fiance suggested to order a few. So she ordered a couple up and got me a fresh pack of colored pencils and everything. So I'm ready to go. That's awesome. Uh, you are, of course, uh, famous for having some of the best uh, hockey flow on the Golden Knights. So I'm curious what your approach was during the quarantine. Did you just decide to let it go? Was there any sort of style you were going for? Uh, what What was going on with your hair during the pause? Just just let it ride, baby. I think it's uh, sometimes the best hair is hair that's touched the least. You know, you just got to let that natural grease hair come in and let the let the flow do what it do what it wants. It's definitely got a mind of its own up there right now. So this is clearly part of John Merrill's personality, though. Yes, like kind of almost almost looking as grungy and and whatever is possible. Exactly, you hit the nail on the head. It's looking like you don't care, uh, but you really kind of do care. Is is the yeah. one going for for sure? <laughs> right on. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily Favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. So you guys obviously were you know, kind of doing your own thing for a while. But when it came back for, you know, what you've touched on before, the phase two workouts where you were able to come back together in small groups, just what led to you guys having such great participation? Because you look at other teams around the league and, you know, some teams had five or six guys, some teams had greater numbers, but you guys had almost everybody come back. Is there, you know, a big reason for that, do you think? Yeah, I think that... um we have a lot of kids on this team, so we have a lot of family guys. So when you have a family, it's it's much more difficult to kind of just take off and leave and and go to a different house and, and whatnot. So I think you had a lot of us stick around be, just because of our family situation. And then you have a lot of guys who have bought homes here in the Las Vegas area, and it's a pretty awesome place to be May and June. You know what I mean? So I think you saw a lot of guys sticking around because – you were able to play golf and, and be outdoors a lot and still social distance and, and do all the right things um, while still living in a, a beautiful place. So we're very fortunate to have all the amenities that Las Vegas offers. Does it speak a little bit to what the organization is 
you know, sort of created, I guess, in, you know, two plus almost three seasons here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really incredible. I think we all saw how the first season kind of the, the fan base, how, how that was established. And now it's it just seems like it's continued to grow and grow. And the support that the community has shown the organization as far as doctors and you know, hospital connections, whatever we need around town, really real estate, um, whatever we need. It, it seems like everyone is willing to reach out their hand and, and offer offer some help. And the fact that you guys did get back skating, or, you know, feels like earlier than a lot of teams. How much are you guys viewing that as almost a competitive advantage that you're kind of ahead of the curve compared to a lot of uh, your potential competition? Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a dangerous narrative. I think we want to still think of this as we don't want to think of ourselves as having an advantage at all. I think we want to just go in knowing that we're prepared and ready to play and not really worry about what other teams have or have not done. We know what we've done. We know the work that we've put in and we're extremely excited to get up there and start playing some meaningful hockey. What has it been like just in terms of having a tra- an actual training camp, I guess, with Pete DeBoer for the first time, you know, clearly he came in, you know, mid season and it seemed like you guys were picking up the systems pretty quickly but to actually have a couple of weeks to, you know, really drill that stuff in, how beneficial has it been? I, th- I think it's been extremely beneficial. I- I'm probably for the entire coaching staff to kind of re-dive into some video and all of them to sort of get on the same page because, you-, you know, Ryan McGill and uh, Ryan Craig, they were kept on the coaching staff after uh, Turk was let go. And so, it was an adjustment for them to uh, learn an entire new system and, and things like that. So I think the coaching staff as a whole probably spent a lot of time on Zoom and, and things of that nature to, to really wrinkle, get some of those wrinkles uh, flattened out. And I think they've done a great job of not over bombarding us with uh, video, but giving us just the right amount of reminders and, and little tidbits to help us make sure that those new systems are, are extremely fine-tuned. Yeah, just what overall have been your impressions now that you've obviously had a lot of training camp practices with Pete? You guys had, I think, 22 games before the pause with him. But now that you've gotten to spend, I mean, a lot of kind of quality time on the ice going over stuff with him, uh, what kind of impression has he made on you and the rest of the team so far? Um, The, the boys like him. He's a player's coach. I played for Pete a little bit before in New Jersey when I was a rookie. And um, it was the same thing back then. He's He understands when to push the guys and, and when to kind of manage it. And uh, I think he's done a great job throughout training camp of, you know, giving us our rest, but also making sure we put in the work. Um, and I think we all have understood his system and understood what he kind of expects out of us. And he's the type of coach where he expects certain things. And if you do them well, he's he's happy about it. You know, it's, it's very black and white with him. There's not much gray area, which a lot of athletes and hockey players appreciate. So we talk a little bit about training camp, but let's talk about the bubble. (laughs) What, what are your kind of, what are your thoughts about that as as you guys prepared to leave? You know, I'm sure you've seen some, some things, but going into it, what, what's your uh, just initial impression? I, I think it will be, um, so such a cool unique experience i think that we're definitely going to try and look at the the silver linings of it if anything it a couple of us were joking the other day it's going to be like a minor hockey tournament you know when you 
you go up with all the boys and you stay in a hotel room with your parents and you're playing knee hockey in the in the hallways of the hotel and you're, you're trying to find things to stay busy and playing in front of no fans will be different. It'll all be uh, new experiences, but exciting and, and just uh, so fortunate to have an opportunity to, to do what we love again. I mean, how do you kind of plan on uh, you know entertaining yourself during this time? I know we touched on the adult coloring book before but i know there's stuff like even you know pickleball is going to be available to you guys so do you have kind of a, a plan in your head of what might be cool to try out and do up there i'm willing to i'm i'll try anything once i'm one of those type of people so i'll, I'll do anything and uh, i'm excited to get up there and see what it looks like i'm sure the nhl has done a great job of making sure that we're safe yet still entertained at the same time and that we have options of, of things to do. So I'm excited to get up there and, and see what it looks like and just get a better understanding of what the day-to-day sort of schedule look like. I think we're still uh, sort of unfamiliar with what the rules will look like uh, within the bubble. So we've heard about, though, there's a uh, there's a fun committee. I believe Nick Holden, maybe uh, Nate Schmidt are members. It sounds like you guys are going to definitely be entertained. What do you What do you know of this committee? I guess I know that they've uh, they've been working in in close contact with uh, some of the team services people as well as the coaching staff to kind of put things into place that we can do on off days. Whether it's I don't even know what the options are bowling or I know there was some rumors about golfing or, or this or that. So I think the fun committee will just make sure that the the fun meter is. Uh, at the at the right end of the, the, the spectrum, I guess. There you go. I mean, you've talked about obviously getting to spend quality time uh, with your three daughters and your fiance. So uh, now, unfortunately, what's it going to be like to have to say goodbye for at least you know a month or so after spending so much time together? It, it'll be really challenging. That that'll be the most difficult part for me. But I think. The way I, I think about things is, man, do we have it good? You know, think about how many people in this world are, are struggling a lot worse than us. So it'll be a challenge for my fiance and all three of them to uh, to be here alone. But I know that they'll be able to do it and, and they'll be just fine. And like I said, um, we got very minor problems or stresses comparatively to the rest of the world. A, a little bit on a serious note, I mean, you're in a situation, we talked to uh, Tomas Nosik the other day and just you know, obviously he has one young kid, you know, you have, a, you have three and, and a pending UFA. Did you ever consider opting out or was, was that not even a consideration for you? Um, I wouldn't say I didn't consider it. I, I would say any player that did, didn't, I think they're lying to you a little bit because you're obviously weighing, weighing the options. And I think it took a few months for me to really understand more about COVID. I think we've learned more about it throughout this uh, few months here and, how it's transmitted and what's safe, what's not safe. And we've learned all we've all learned about social distancing and masks and and, and things like that. So definitely early on, I was uh, against it. You know, I was, man, we just got to take care of our, our people and we've got to do what's right. And it just didn't seem right. Like it didn't seem like sports was something that was uh, a necessary operation. But as it went on, I, I realized that, um, we can do this and we can do this in a safe way. And once that, that was established, I was all for it. You know, let's, let's go play as long as we can do it the, a safe way and it makes sense and, and, and things like that. I, I'm all for getting back out there and competing with the boys and getting after a cup. Yeah. Have you felt, you know, safe so far when it comes to the small group workouts and training camp? 
Yeah, they've done an exceptional job. Um, the Golden Knights, I don't have any um, knowledge of what it's been like with other organizations, but the Golden Knights have done an incredible job with testing and and everything as far as um, keeping us separated in different dressing rooms and, and the weight room scenario and things like that. They've done an unbelievable job and 100% felt safe every day. So have you started packing yet? And, you know, knowing that there's no longer a dress code up there, I guess what kind of fun outfits are we going to see from you in Edmonton? Oh man, I, I wish I had more of a, a fun style. It's, I, I don't have very many fun clothes. I, I don't buy any clothes for myself. Most of the stuff I have is, is five or six years old um, before I had kids. So I, uh, very little thought will go into my packing. I, I'm a light packer as it is. We go on two week road trips. I bring a small duffel bag. So you'll be seeing a lot of the same from me. <laughs> Is the scooter coming though? Can that get I across? Wish, the man. Wouldn't that be cool? No, the scooter's not coming. I thought maybe they should have a skate park or something up there. We could bring our skateboards. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's the good. Get some yeah, blades maybe. Yeah, but I don't know if the GMs would like that though. That's a, probably a pretty high injury risk. Very true. It's unfortunate. Um, something yeah. random that we've asked a couple guys about that I think is kind of interesting. I mean, obviously. One of the great traditions of the NHL postseason is the handshake line and the fact that, you know, win or lose, guys get together to kind of acknowledge each other after, you know, a a tough series. So are we going to see that this year or is that probably just kind of uh, a bridge too far now? Yeah, I hadn't really even thought about that. I would assume that it would be a wash, right? Um, It seems like that is... uh breaking several of the CDC guidelines by uh, coming in close contact and shaking hands. But I, uh, I don't know what they've got in place, maybe like an elbow bump through a line or something like that. But it's definitely, a, like you said, it's a tradition in, in ho- playoff hockey that's uh, as old as the, the NHL goes. So I'm sure there'll be some sort of acknowledgement from the winning team to the losing team, but I don't know what it'll look like. So we've asked you about kind of what you're going to do, but maybe how closely are you going to follow the other games and things? I mean, you know, for, for fans and, and viewers, I mean, it's going to be jam-packed. Are you as a player going to be following the other games or are you just going to be too focused on your own stuff, you know, to, to kind of spread it out like that, I guess? I will definitely watch. I'm a hockey fan uh, first and foremost, so I love to watch hockey just as much as the next guy, so... I'll definitely be watching as well as baseball and basketball. I'm a sports fan, and so I'll be watching everything. My TV will be uh, on at all times, probably with the different sporting events. So I'll be in tune to everything. Awesome. Well, we waited, uh, you know, this long to kind of ask probably the the million dollar question. You guys obviously were rolling. It seemed like heading into the pause. You guys had played really well once Pete took over. How do you maintain that momentum in just obviously what are the most unusual circumstances most people can imagine? I, I don't know if it's even maintaining that momentum. I think that momentum train has come to a stop seeing as the break has, has gone so long. I think you've heard comments from, I know Patch made a comment early on and some other players in the league have, have mentioned this, but I think it will be the hardest Stanley Cup to win because of that. You don't have teams riding momentum from the regular season. You don't have everyone's in the same boat, right? And and you got to assume all the teams are healthy and everyone's um, going to be ready to go. So I think teams that were flying high at the pause may not be now and teams that weren't then could be now. So I think it's it's just about, for us, like I said, f- 
focusing on ourselves, not worried about what other teams are doing, trust our game and get up there and try and get to that game as quick as we can. The the last game you guys played in the regular season was in Edmonton. I, I know it seems a long time ago. I know it's just one game. Is it is it something just the good feelings from that when you walk back in there that you can draw on though? I, I don't know. I feel like that might be a little bit of a stretch. To be honest, I feel like it's such a unique format with no fans, with the way the entire experience is going to go down. I think it's going to be obviously unprecedented, but it will be um, completely different. I think it will be a brand new season. It's a fresh slate, in my opinion. Yeah, you guys uh, obviously start August 3rd against the Dallas Stars in terms of round robin. You have an exhibition game against the Arizona Coyotes before that. But, I mean, I'm curious how, I guess, you kind of view the round robin games and what you think the the right approach is because you're luckily, because you guys have played yourself into this position, not in a do-or-die playoff series like teams in the play-in round, but there are still, of course, advantages to playing well in the play-in round and getting the that top seed, so... Um, how do you kind of view that uh, round robin tournament and uh, how are you kind of trying to approach it? I, I Like I mentioned earlier, I think the the teams that can get to their identity, because uh, we all know what our identities were before the pause uh, stopped. But I, I really think that the quickest teams that get to that identity, the teams that can get back to playing the brand of hockey that made them successful months ago, are going to be the most successful team. So in those first few games, that's what it's going to be all about for us is, is playing the right way. Obviously, we want to win and stay healthy if we can, but it's all about doing the things the right way and and, and getting that game going, getting back to our identity. Awesome. Well, I think we've uh, run out of questions for you, John. I want to thank you uh, so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to us, especially in a hectic time such as this. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, guys. I appreciate you guys having me on. No problem. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As a reminder, please rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. Also, check out all of Dave and I's written work at ReviewJournal.com. For the Golden Edge podcast, I'm Ben Goats. That was Dave Shane and Golden Knights defenseman John Merrill. We'll talk to you guys all again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.